For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to part one of episode 68 of the Say Hey podcast, where myself and Giants Chatter admin, minor league specialist, Daniel Velasquez, are joined by around the Foghorn Farm System writer, Renzi Regadone, discussing Giants prospects. It's time for the Say Hey podcast, your San Francisco Giants podcast for the real ones, available wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Say Hey Podcast and like our page on Facebook. It is episode 68 of the Say Hey Podcast. This is Doug Hayes, a.k.a. Say Hey Doug. It is February 26, 2022. I'm joined by Daniel Velasquez, an admin with us on Giants Chatter, our Giants Chatter prospect specialist. It's his first appearance on the Say Hey Podcast. Daniel, bring you in real quick. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Doug. Thank you for bringing me on, man. It's a real treat to be able to join you. Absolutely. Thought we'd uh, get into some prospect stuff since we don't have much major league level stuff going on right now. <laughs> nice. So, um, but yeah, I'm super excited. We're bringing on uh, Renzi Regadone, uh, a writer for Around the Foghorn, and he's on Twitter at Giants Prospective with no E at the end, ends in the V. Um, Renzi, welcome to the Say Hey Podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, well, yeah, welcome. I mean, I'm welcome. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a month before my under league season starts i mean it's going to start there's no there's no there, there's nothing that will stop it so i'm very excited for it to start and have real professional baseball going yes yeah it's been tough i mean we're we're scratching for content here because you know the yeah. players and <laughs> players and owners are still bickering and trying to get numbers straight and yeah. us fans here just sitting like let's go already you know come on we should be actually like i think I think the first spring training game usually starts on like the last Sunday of February, right? So it would have been tomorrow. Like, yeah, I yeah, think it should have been tomorrow. Yeah. So that is it's it's frustrating, but um, you know, so Renzi, you've been you've been very busy. Uh, you just released uh, in the last couple of weeks your prospect primer, as you're calling it. Um, yeah. Kind of give us kind of give us a little bit of well. First, I want to check in on you personally. So you. You are actually in the Philippines, correct? Yeah. And um, born and raised to currently living here. Okay. I, I want to know how you got into baseball and, and how you got into more specifically uh, prospects. Yeah. I mean, actually, I was a basketball fan growing up because in the Philippines, it's typically basketball. That's the okay. biggest sport. It will always be basketball. But then, then around, around high school or something, Cable television is available for me, so uh, I mean, things on the things on the cable are like sports and sports movies, and I was drawn into tennis and Formula One at that age. So I was like, I mean, around mid, I mean, mid puberty 
or mid-adolescence, you can call it. And then one time I was scouring through YouTube and just the algorithm just gave it Tim Lincecum highlight video. And I was, oh, baby, Look. that's good. That looks good. <laughs> that looks good. And I was I was just becoming a fan of Tim Lincecum ever since. And, and I saw the Filipino connection and it's, it's an easy fit. It's an easy fit. I just followed him throughout his career and I, that's how I ended up following baseball in general. I mean, I still love basketball. I mean, I still do fantasy basketball over fantasy baseball. I can never get into fantasy uh, fantasy baseball. It's an <laughs> everyday commitment. Yeah. So, but but my but how I view prospects in baseball, I feel it's much better currently than with basketball. And I, I mean, I I love a lot of sports in general, but baseball for me holds a special place in my heart because. It's up to Tim Lincecum. Giving Timmy the love there for sure. Um, oh yeah. You know, I, I, before we get into specifics uh, with Giants prospects, um, you know, you released your primer. I believe, I believe it was uh, earlier this month, correct? Uh, yeah, in February. yeah. And I just yeah. want to know. So, kind of explain uh, to our listeners how you come up with your rankings. Like, what's your rubric you follow? Mm, generally, generally, I. I do reports on, I, tr- I try my best to find the videos of every chance prospect that I can. I mean, I ended up with 150 out of around 240 plus in the active roster, in the active roster as of late January, I ended up covering 150 and then I just sorted them out uh, based on my preference actually. I mean, I mean the top, the top of the line will stay there. The Joey Bart's, the Marco Luciano's. I mean, the the key thing for me is separating the 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 bottom half of the list because it's primarily subjective. I mean, I just I chose the prospects who I really like. I mean, there are also prospects that I'm not really into, to be honest, but they have enough talent to make it into the top 30 if they have a good season in 2022, even though they had a bad 2021 or they never played at all. I took them into consideration as well as, you know, as well as, you know, the 40 man decisions, why they left out Diego Rincones, why they chose Randy Rodriguez. I mean, it's all part into my thinking of creating the rankings and I value positional scarcity the most in terms of separating prospects with very razor-thin margins in terms of talent. So, I mean, we all know that lefty starting pitchers are very, very hard to find. And corner in corner outfielders and first basements are typically more likely to be found in terms of talent or in terms of numbers. So how scarce the position will be is a very, very big factor in terms of ranking these prospects in, quite honestly. Okay, that makes sense. And you know, you, you set me up perfectly for my first uh, prospect I want to talk about. So thank you, because you say yeah. <laughs> lefty starters are, you know, hard to find. So, you know, going through your primer here, I'm going to start off with the big obvious standout 
from your prospect primer. You have Kyle Harrison as the Giants' number one prospect over Marco Luciano, who is, you know, basically number one across the board unanimously. Um, what made you come to this conclusion and give your thoughts on what Harrison's legacy you think will be for San Francisco? Honestly, yeah. I mean, honestly, it came down to positional, positional scarcity. I mean, in my opinion, even though I have four prospects with 55 future value or like at least an above average player, I mean, I really feel that there are only two who has the true talent or the true ceiling to, became, to become a legitimate superstar, and that's Harrison and Luciano. I mean, Luciano currently plays shortstop, but I, but I never see him sticking there long-term. However, Harrison is, is very, very rare in terms of talent because typically it's very rare to see someone who is a pitchability lefty when he was in high school and then blow expectations out of the water like literally sit 98 or touch 98 with his fastball from the left side with very very with a very very low vertical angle i mean his release point is four and a half feet that's very low compared that's very low compared to anyone else with this this six foot two height so i mean couple that with a slider that's absolutely wiped out since august and a changeup that is, you know, turning out to be an above-average offering. I hope it turns out. I hope it turns out to be an above-average offering because, even though, even though that changeup never, never, never turns out to be good or or yeah, I mean those two pitches from a low from a low angle or from a low release point, it just gives me legitimate Josh Hader vibes. I mean we all know Josh Hader. He's a dominant pitcher. I mean, question. I mean, I mean, off the field, he's questionable, but Harrison off the field, he's very exceptional. He has yeah. excellent makeup. He's very competitive. And I mean, if that's the worst that you can get a dominant late inning reliever, I mean, oh my God, that's, that's pretty good. And if you, if, if, if the changeup comes along, if the cone, if the control comes along, I mean, we're talking about, Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, probably even better than Bumgarn, to be honest. Wow. Well, you, you do have his future fastball rating at 70 and his, his slider at 60. And I mean, he keeps the ball down, which you know this organization really values in, in getting ground balls. And he had a great ground ball rate of 50.5% last year um, in San Jose. And the Giants, you know, the Giants value him because. They paid, and you pointed out in your primer, they paid out that premium money to lure him away from committing to UCLA, who is a baseball power. Um, I know Dan is a Pac-12 guy, so (laughs) he knows all about UCLA baseball. So, yeah, yeah, big, I I, I like it. I mean, I I know uh, this is uh, bold putting Kyle Harrison at number one, but um, I'm not arguing against it for sure. Oh, yeah, it's very bold indeed. I mean, I think I'm the only one who does, who did it. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, even though I see typically Luciano at number one, I just want to see Kyle Harrison around top 50 in all of baseball because the talent, his talent level is definitely up there, even though, even though he never pitched like a lot of innings or had a high walk rate. I mean, I mean, 
from August onwards, when he was truly dominant, he only improved his strike his strike rate or his strike thrown rate at two percent only. So he went from slightly below average to average. So from sixty one to sixty three percent. What if he? What if that strike rate uptick to sixty five percent? I mean, that's just. I mean. I mean, just. I mean that that two percent is comes a long way in terms of control and walk rate and stuff. So, I mean, that's certainly feasible for Harrison this year. I mean, the sky's the limit, quite honestly. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely a guy that we're all excited to see developing. Got a ways to go before he gets the majors, but uh, kind of brings me along to the guy I was going to ask you about, which is Sean Jelly. You mm -hmm. got him. Um, he's obviously much closer to being in the majors. He was up, up to AAA last year. Um, the Giants thought enough of him to protect him in the Rule 5 draft. His transition to AAA wasn't particularly smooth, and he, his DRA did jump about two and a half points. Do um, you think that can be chalked up to just the adjustment to sort of the hitter-friendly AAA West, or do you see some signs to be concerned about? Mm, honestly, when I watch him in AAA, I watch like – I watch his starts from the beginning of his AAA stint, in the in the middle of his AAA stint, and at the end of his AAA stint. I never really saw anything that was very peculiar or he was doing something very different that affected his performance. It's more, it's more of him like nibbling the zone, and he was catching a little bit too much of the zone that hitters are just taking advantage, and he was into some bad babbit luck throughout his Sacramento stint. So that definitely affected him. But honestly, I think he's going to perform in the big leagues much better than he was in AAA last year because uh, because he has something that is very, very unique amongst all pitchers in the, in, in the entire baseball, and that's his unique release height. I mean, he's nearly seven foot, and his release height is almost also seven foot i mean i mean who was who was the last person that you'd ever think of having a release one john rouch <laughs> i mean i mean that's very very rare i mean also he has a sinker so he comes in at a very very different steep plane i mean i mean current i mean the current fastball philosophy nowadays is throw it flat like the approach angle should be flat, but Jelly breaks that norm by throwing very steep. So he's going to always have a very high ground ball rate, no matter where he is. So he's very dependent on the defense. And, you know, minor league defense is not always very, very good. It's so true. he's going to run into some Babbitt luck. That's a great point. <laughs> Whether yeah. good or bad. <laughs> And you all know, and we all know that major league defense are the best out there. So I think it's going to get some some Tyler Rogers like success because mm. of how good he can he can get the ball to the ground. And I think when when hitters only see him once instead of twice or thrice, where they get used to his release point, I think he's going to have a much better success because he's also losing velocity as the game wears on. I mean, first inning, he can touch 96. And then I saw him in the sixth inning at the same start. He's only touching 92. 
never touching any higher. So that's an issue for me. I mean, that's an issue since since like San Jose days. So that that for me is like mm, like a red flag for me with his chances of starting. But I definitely think it's going to be very effective in the big leagues once he gets there. So you see potentially? Are, are you saying that you see relief uh, relief pitcher as a as a, a potential outcome or a likely outcome for him? Honestly, yeah, because I mean he has three effective pitches. Like he has a fastball, he has a curveball that's pretty hard. Like like his curveball is eighty six to eighty eight miles an hour, compared to his sinker that touches ninety six. So, I mean. I mean, current philosophy nowadays is to throw your breaking balls hard, and he definitely does that. And coming from a very weird angle, I think, I think that's a very that's a very very good foundation for a pitcher. But yeah, I mean, I I really see him as a reliever because he loses his stuff during game during his starts, and honestly, that affected his effectivity because they see him they see him more than once in the order, and he's. Tennis velocity goes down, so that's an issue for me. And I mean, the changeup is pretty good. Changeup is pretty good, but I mean, sticking to his fastball and attacking north and south, given his unique angle or unique release point, I think that's a better way to go to his success. I honestly, I have him as a future closer for the Giants. I mean, imagine Tyler Rogers coming from down under. And then the next inning, you will face Sean Jelly f- coming from the ceiling, and then you have, and then you have, and then you have the ninth inning, Camilo Duval coming from the side. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the, yeah. the amount of angles that the Giants bullpen could possibly have in like 2022, 2023, it's going to be yummy. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's a seriously funky group of pitchers right there. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, you know, the, the elevation of the ball coming into the plate, but yeah, I, I could, I could see the uh, move to the bullpen possibly. Cause you know, like you're saying uh, velocity wears down throughout a game, um, you know, being seen a second or a third time around, uh, you know, especially major league hitters, they'll adjust to that stuff. So. Oh yeah. Completely they understand that. Adjust. Yeah. Um, kind of continuing on uh, talking arms in the giant system. At number seven, you have Will Bednar, and this is the guy that, uh, you know, was taken 14th overall in uh, this last year, 2021 draft in the first round. Um, you know, you have him at a 30 uh, uh, PV and a future value of 45, um, but he is he's shot up a lot of ranking I've seen, and you do. You have him at seven on your list. Um, you know, the, the most outstanding player during the 2021 Mississippi State World Series title run. Um and he did get a little, uh, little love uh, in, in a couple starts in San Jose. I know, and he he threw pretty mm-hmm. well, even though it was only five innings. Uh, but he threw well. Uh, do you think that he could become an elite prospect and possibly go beyond your forty-five future value evaluation? Honestly, there's a potential for him. However, 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 what what type of will Bednar really going to see in twenty twenty two? Is the is it's going to be the key factor in terms of moving him, being his future value higher for me? Because I mean, there's no there's no mis- there's no mistake that it's not a mistake that his college World Series performance is awesome. Like he's delivering mid nineties heat, the batters get under the ball, 
and his slider is like what you want, what you want in the 2022 setting, that really sweeping slider. action. Yeah. That's what you want. However, when I sw- when I saw him pitch, like when I watched him pitch, like in the normal college season, as well as in San Jose, he was only touching around low 90s. Uh, and his fastball in with the low, with that low 90s velocity is pretty underwhelming, to be honest. Like hitters are catching up to it. I mean, they're ma- they're not making hard contact, but they're making contact. And for me, that's uh, that's a uh, I don't know what to do, what to think about it. And and then I mean, even though his slider is still pretty good, I mean, his changeup, I mean, from his changeup, according to the data, his changeup has a high whiff rate, but I think it's more of in terms. It's more because of his very minimal usage than the actual effectiveness of the pitch. Because I saw his changeup in in the film before, and I'm not very impressed. I mean, I think his curveball is his third best pitch. I mean, he threw that he threw a curveball like around five times in San Jose. So he definitely has that in his arsenal. So. Honestly, I don't know what to think of it. I mean, Roger Munter mentioned me that he senses Chris Stratton vibes on him, and we all know what happened to Chris Stratton. But I mean, I mean, we never know what will happen if it, Stratton never had that concussion. So, I mean, if Bender will be the good version of Stratton or the healthy version of Stratton, I think we're going to be pretty satisfied. But very it's very dependent on that velocity on the fastball because if he's touching mid 90s all the way throughout the season like he's he can pitch 108 innings with that though with mid 90s velocity like Cal Harrison does I think that there's potential for him to be like a Jose Fernandez I mean that's that's that at its best that's what I see from him uh cross firing Pretty low arm slot, like low three quarters delivery, slinging arm slot with that sweeping slider and that mid nineties velocity. I mean, we can we can only hope that he can throw harder than mid nineties. I mean, I hope he can touch ninety eight in San Jose or in Eugene this year. So, I'm I'm pretty skeptical, but I'm also help. I'm also hopeful for Bednar this year. It, it's tough. I mean, he's only twenty one. Um, he's still very young, but he's. I, you know, I, I heard him uh, this week with Alex Pavlovich and uh, Cole Kuyper on the uh, Giants Talk podcast. And, you know, he says that he competes in everything and everything he does in life. He is competition and he wants to win. And he said that um, the number one thing he's been working on in this offseason is that changeup. So if he can get that changeup down, you know, maybe he can balance things out and really add um, to his arsenal and, and be a potential you know, solid starter down the road. I, I know a lot of people kind of have him projected as being a, a middle of the rotation arm. Um, so I am, I am uh, excited to see what he can do kind of in a full year uh, in the giant system. I would assume, I mean, do you think Renzi, uh, you probably start off in San Jose and maybe if things go well, finish the end of the year in Eugene. Actually, I think the Giants are going to be aggressive on him and slot him in Eugene right away because they gave him the cup of tea or cup of coffee in San Jose. I think think they're pretty impressed with that performance. I mean, he never blew up or something. And 
I think Sanus, I think Eugene is a pretty good spot for him because think of the pitchers that will that are from Arizona last year that will come to San Jose this year. I say and I think that Bednar might not be a really good fit in that San Jose rotation if if they want to push him ahead. I mean, I, I think they want I I mean for me, I would pair him with Mikulski, the second round pick and put him in the Eugene rotation and try to push them into Richmond at the second half of the season if everything goes well. I think that's I think that's the way to go on quite honestly because they they all have say pitchers last year are also going to be pushed into Eugene this year. So I mean, there are a lot of pitching situation, but I hope that Bednar will be aggressively challenged because I think his stuff is good enough for to be there. Okay. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you about a guy that I know you are quite fond of and you've written quite a bit about, and that's Ryan Murphy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of his. I I read uh, I read several things you've written about him. He's at Giants Chatter. This we're a big Ryan Murphy housey. Yeah, we teams. are. Uh, yeah, hey, the admin go. team is always talking about Murphy, so we're, we're all really rooting for him. I mean, he seemingly came out of nowhere last year. I mean, you, you 2020 draft. We were talking about Kyle Harrison. We were talking about all kinds of other things. I, I Ryan Murphy was not on my radar whatsoever. I was probably paying more attention to Carson Ragsdale at the start of the season than I was Ryan Murphy. Um, you did a really, you did a really nice, uh, a series recently, a deep dive on starting pitchers. And one of them was on Ryan Murphy. So, uh, again, I know, you know, quite a bit about him. Do you think he can continue his 2021 success as he continues his journey through the minors? Mm, quite honestly, that's a very tough question because I think what we saw from Ryan Murphy last year is like a pretty much good enough product to pitch in the high minors. So... I think there, there's not really much leeway in terms of improvement, but I think there are still there's still things to work on his improvement because honestly, he was very, very effective in terms of not throwing pitches that hitters will do damage, and that's middle middle. He's yeah. often throwing in the corners, especially his fastball, particularly high and away from righty hitters. And he was very effective in terms of throwing his slider down and away on hitters. So he was very, very good in terms of setting up hitters outside, particularly particularly to righties, and then trying to bust them inside with his fastball. So, however, he doesn't really have a third pitch or a true weapon against lefties. And I think that's where the changeup comes in. So, I mean, I talked to Murphy like throughout the winter. I talked to him, I mean, not daily, but at times I talked to him throughout the winter and he's definitely working hardest in terms of, in terms of developing that changeup. And I've seen clips of his changeup, like in Eugene, when he was, I mean, he was throwing very little changeups in Eugene, but the ones that they threw have very promising movements. So it, it's only a matter of repetition and having a consistent feel for it. And I think that Murphy did his did his very best in during the winter in terms of 
having that out legitimate out pitch against against lefties because even though he has a slider or he primarily throws his slider at both lefties and righties, I think he's doing a very good job not not hitting lefties with his slider because the slider is more of a vertical breaking slider rather than the sweeping slider. So he's doing a very good job in terms of missing bats with it. But at the end of the day, he still needs to develop that changeup. And I think we're going to see how well he's developing with his changeup at entering 2022 season. And I'm very excited for it because honestly, I compare to Sonny Gray in terms of in terms of their stuff. I mean, their fastball is very, very lively. His slider breaks very late. And his curveball might be a little bit okay, but it's a it's a pretty good pitch. It's a setup pitch, but the changeup is going to be the, the key for him this year. And he throws strikes. He throws a lot of strikes and a lot of quality strikes. So I'm very excited. Speaking of his fastball, I know uh, I'd, I'd asked you about this before. I believe it's probably on Twitter. Um, do, you, do you think that there's a chance he will pick up a little velocity on that fastball, or do you think he's pretty well set in terms of that speed somewhere in the low 90s? Mm, quite honestly, uh, I mean, I I mean, Murphy never gave me an answer on it when I when I asked him about it. But quite honestly, I think probably 95 is going to be the tops for him. Like, okay. I mean, hopefully he can touch 96, but for me, I think it's pre, I think it's preset on like 92 to 95 at the very, very best. I hope that his average velocity moves up a bit. I think it's, I think, I think it will happen because he's done part of work that he's done in the offseason is having a more, having a more, having a better momentum towards whole plate in terms of his delivery he's he's effectively chopping off or cutting off some of the crossfire in his delivery and he's making sure that he's moving forward towards home plate better and I think and as a result I think he will gain a little bit of velocity in terms of it but I mean we will only know until we will see it in unless we see it in game so I'm very hopeful and I'm excited for him in Richmond yeah Looking forward to seeing him next year. He's definitely going to be one of those guys we're going to all be focused on. Oh, yeah. Daniel, I'm I'm glad you brought him up because, uh, as you know, I mean, Rob and I are – we are in love with Ryan Murphy. (laughs) I agree with you with what you started with. Like, if you could put us Giants chatter guys, you know, like who's your favorite prospect in the system, I think there would be multiple votes for Ryan Murphy because I was telling Renzi before we came on, um, you know, Rob and I went to a – uh, San Jose Giants and Stockton Ports game last May. And, you know, kind of like you mentioned, you know, n- nobody really knew who Ryan Murphy was, you know, a year ago. And we got to see this kid throw and we were freaking impressed to say the least. And, um, you know, it, it just to go off your, you know, velocity standpoint, um, Renzi, you know, the 92 to 94, 95 may be okay, especially if he's relying heavily on those secondary pitches. Cause, um, I don't know, maybe it was just that night, but um, I saw a really, really good curveball put-out pitch, especially to righties that night. I mean, I, I am so high on Ryan Murphy, so I'm excited for him, for sure. I mean, quite I mean, quite honestly, he doesn't really – I mean, when you think of it, he doesn't really need to throw very hard to be very effective because he's yeah. effectively missing 
the mm. the heart of the plate with this fastball and it moves a lot i mean a lot of hitters in the low minors are freezing on that fastball like they don't know where it's going but it's actually hitting the corners and Murphy was effective at expanding the outside part of the zone because of it. And he's exploiting that umpire. He's exploiting the hitter's mentality. And I I mean, when I first watched him, I can definitely feel the poise. The poise that he has on the mound and the confidence. Like he's throwing the pitch and less than seven and in less than seven seconds, he's throwing another pitch. I mean, he's very confident. It's very like, let's get into it. So I'm very ha- I'm very very happy that I rode on that Ryan Murphy train early on, and I'm very happy that my fate on him was rewarded towards the back half of the year. <laughs> Absolutely, um, you know, kind of moving on to the pen a little bit. Uh, at number sixteen, you have Randy Rodriguez. Um, he had a fantastic mm-hmm. 2021. Uh, you know, although it's uncertain, he may end up being a starter in the Giants organization long term. Um, what do you think he ends up being uh, for the Giants? And I also I, I wanted you to kind of go into I, I also noted in your primer, he has a low uh, three quarters release uh, that could present rotator cuff issues down the road. Um, kind of talk mm. about that as well. I mean, there's the rotator cuff issues. Uh, I mean, he throws from a low three quarter slot, but his arm action when I saw it in slow mode, thanks to baseball channel on YouTube. He, who has slow motion of his arm action. I was, <laughs> I don't know what to say because it's pretty worrying. It's his arm action. I mean, I mean, we, I mean, if you all know the pain, Chris O'Leary before he was like, was like selling snake oil or something. <laughs> but I mean, he has some points about, I mean, I mean, he has some points that he is correct. I mean, arm action is, uh, arm act, his arm action is pretty reliverish. I mean, if you think of Joel Somaya from the mid 2000s, I think that's a, probably the closest combo for his arm action. But but the difference that Rodriguez is very very athletic, and I mean, athleticism can triumph like bad arm action or something, or like not really visibly clean arm action. So I'm. So it's like it's like very hard to very hard to decipher as well as being very hopeful that he will not break. But if you can believe in that athleticism and the ability to throw strikes, I think I think the Giants are I mean, I think the Giants invested on that ability to throw strikes while also throwing very hard. I mean I mean they're placing the 40 men ahead of a lot of a lot of a lot of prospects who are like more of a household name, like Seth Corey, like Jagger and Connes, to name a few. I mean, I mean, Rodriguez is a stuff, but I think it's better stood in the bullpen. I think it's interesting that they like plan to have in the rotation setting. I think, I think if they want to build innings on that, I mean, he primarily pitched out of the bullpen throughout his career. And if he, if, and if the Giants do want him to, like bulk of bulk of the innings. I mean, that's a that's a welcoming sight, but I think at the end of the day, he's going to most likely pitch in relief, primarily because his stuff has already been proven to be very, very effective out there. So why not? Like if it broke, why fix it for me? Yeah, for sure. And, 
and you know, I'm looking at his numbers and he had 32 appearances last year, all out of the bullpen, um, a one seven, four ERA, a 2.28 FIP. Uh, he doesn't walk a ton of guys, 39%, you know, K rate and 8.9% walk rate, 190, uh, you know, batting average against. Now, the thing that sticks out to me, you do have his fastball and slider at 60 uh, future value, but, oh, yeah, um, which is very good. But I'm also looking at, you know, in, in this, this worries me. Is, is this correct? Like he's listed at 166 pounds. Yeah, I think it's officially listed at 166, but I mean, visually, he doesn't really look that, that 166 is more like, more like 180 because okay. 166 is very very thin <laughs> like literally thin i mean he's he's thin right now but i think what he he has a little bit of muscle in him and he's very athletic <laughs> so i this... think that 166 is like okay not really accurate i mean i mean that's the issue for me in terms of all of the big sites or big minor league sites they never get Hitter weight right. <laughs> yeah, that was I mean, just especially a, for that was just a worry for, for me because uh you know that's long term. If you're weighing you know a buck sixty six, that's <clears throat> probably not good long term weight for you. Right. Last long. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Lincecum even weighed heavier than him. <laughs> Lincecum was probably what one hundred and seventy five, but and yeah, and but. You know, he he had funky mechanics and threw hard coming out of the gate, but you know, didn't wasn't really durable. It didn't last long. So that that's why it was kind of a red flag for me. I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, he was exceptional when he was very healthy. So if Rodriguez was healthy, then hmm, there's a lot of promise with that arm. So a reliever I wanted to ask you about is not necessarily uh, one of the ranked guys that's out there, but just a guy that just really has drawn my attention. Just he's a very interesting story, and that's Rohan Honda. The uh, pitcher, mm. start, pitcher started out at Yale, then unfortunately COVID wiped out basically two seasons for him as the Ivy League canceled uh, baseball or spring sports completely in 2021. Uh, went out on his own, found a, uh, a training center, I believe, in the Houston area, turned his fastball, which was in the low 80s, up into a, a mid to upper 90s fastball. So he's become kind of an intriguing prospect. Um, what are your thoughts on him just as a prospect in general? Yeah, it's a very, very, he's a very, very exceptional man. Like I talked to him like after, after he got signed by the Giants and from the get-go, I think, I, what I think is that he's a phenomenal person. Like, off the field, he's phenomenal. He's doing work to grow baseball in India and in Southeast Asia, which is very, very, which is very, 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 very heartwarming. <laughs> or very, very, I'm very, very happy for to see the sport grow in such areas where you never expect it. So, for me, I mean, for me, Honda's a prospect. Uh, for me, Honda's prospect is, uh, I honestly, I, I never really have a very, very good feel for him as a prospect because like Ryan Murphy last year, there's very, very little video of him, right? current video of him to make a, to make a very sound assessment. Unlike P 
pitchers to have who were like pitching in D1 schools who you can who you can pretty much watch a lot of a lot of their a lot of their outings. So, so for me, I mean for me, Honda has a mid 90s sinker that's very, very rare. Mid 90s sinker is very rare. And he also has a good looking slider that I mean those those two pitches could potentially he could potentially be at least above average for me. But the thing for me is that his numbers, he, his numbers in like the collegiate league that he joined during the summer last year, his walk rate is pretty questionable. Although he has a very good strikeout rate, I mean that's I mean that's quite that's that's quite a team for a lot of the pitchers last year, especially the left-handers like Kolsky has control issues, Honda's control issues. Seth Lonsway is probably the poster child of control issues throughout his college <laughs> career. So, <laughs> I mean, Honda could potentially be pretty good. It depends on where the Giants will place him, either in the rotation or in the bullpen. But honestly, I think he can stick in the rotation because he also has a cutter and a splitter in his repertoire. And I just don't know where, where he will fit in San Jose or in Eugene this year because quite honestly there are a lot of talent that that needs that needs playing time in the long so I hope that he can find a stable a stable role where we can assess him as a season. And quite honestly I think he's going to he'll probably going to be a Ryan Murphy star. Never know of him. Entering entering the draft, we never we never consider him highly. And then w- once he picks up a good amount of steam, and then we saw him pitch like on video or in person, it was pretty pretty good. I think I think there's a there's a time there's a possibility or there's a realm of possibility that Honda can go that kind of route. I mean, we just never know. I think I think the first one of the season will be very very pivotal for him in terms of showing out how good he can be moving forward. Yeah, it's it's just really interesting how I mean a guy like that gets just sort of discovered. I mean, because he was really off the radar, and uh, you know, and all of a sudden the Giants start scouting him. And it turns into a fifth round pick, which is you know obviously he was well thought of in that regard. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he what he has next year. I mean, that's where we give credit to the scouts, and yes. scouts will find will always find you wherever you are. That's <laughs> I mean the numbers. I mean the numbers are awesome, but how how we can how that how teams will still find talent is through scouts. So we we should never discount the scouts, and we all we we always should appreciate the work that they do. Thanks for listening to episode sixty-eight, part one with Renzi Regadone. Episode sixty-nine, part two, will be released shortly wherever you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.